0: Welcome to Rise from the Ashes. Our podcast looks at various issues for families. We'll be talking with attorneys about personal and legal concerns having to do with divorce, custody, and parenting time. There are also a few topics about letting go, moving on, and new beginnings. Please keep in mind this podcast is only to inform and help to understand legal and personal issues as they relate to family law. It should not be considered as a replacement for a qualified family law attorney. When in doubt, please contact a professional. Rise from the ashes, focusing on matters of the family, because family matters. Hi, and welcome to our podcast, Rise from the Ashes. I'm David Braddock. I'll be the host for today's podcast. And we're talking with Alma Miklaseviks, who is an associate attorney at Mundal Law. How are you, Alma? I am great today, David. And we're talking today about estate plans. What in particular did you want folks to know about estate plans today, Alma?
1: Well, David, it's the brand new year, 2022. And I thought that it would be a good time to talk about something positive, getting that estate plan off your to-do list. As some of you might know, if you've been following the ongoing Prince estate saga, a lot wrong can happen if you don't take care of that estate plan.
0: What did they say? It's been like six years since the estate of Prince is trying to be resolved and now they're just really starting to dig into it. How, How is that working?
1: Finally, it's to the point where it's ready to be able to settled. And had Prince even invested a little bit of money in creating an estate plan, just a basic plan, before his death? I mean, tens of millions of legal fees were spent on this case by various heirs and entities, thousands upon thousands of legal
0: documents. I know that Prince's passing was very tragic and that he was much too young. How old was Prince when he passed away?
1: Fifty-seven, David. Not very old at all.
0: Since he was so young, it seems like we don't always get these things taken care of that we really should be paying attention to at some point to make sure that our heirs don't have to deal with a big mess later on.
1: The mess extends beyond the legal. Keep in mind that when ultimately your time comes and you pass, your loved ones will be grieving. There will be emotional stresses that go along with that. That can lead to some major conflict within a family. So when there's any sort of ambiguity in an estate plan, or worse, lack of an estate plan, it just creates an opportunity for there to be conflict. And you want to avoid putting your loved ones through that if at all possible.
0: Well, what are the kinds of things that we should try to take care of first?
1: Getting that estate plan off your to-do list this year will require you to spend some time thinking about what it is you want to have happen to your material possessions at the end of your life, your property, your assets, but also things like end-of-life healthcare decisions, burial instructions, anything like that. The more you can start sorting that out, the easier it will be to actually get your estate plan done with the help of an estate planning attorney.
0: So just think about all of the things that you would like to be squared away before you go, something like that.
1: Yeah, and that's where an attorney can come in and really be helpful to you. But thinking about death is an unpleasant topic for many people, and I think that is really what prevents them from dealing with their estate plan
0: All right. A person has thought of all of the things that they'd like to have taken care of before they leave. Now it'll be time to contact an attorney. What is the best way to go about that?
1: You can look online. You can look at various attorney websites. What you really want is someone you think you'll be comfortable with. Because you're going to be talking with this person about some rather intimate details of your life and your family and what those dynamics are and your property, your assets. And you want to be comfortable with the person you're talking to. What I generally do in my consultations is I get to know the prospective clients a little bit and what their situation is and talk about what their goals are. So then we would review their assets. We would discuss what a retainer agreement would look like. We generally do estate plans for a flat fee and talk about what that would look like in a specific case, depending on what the client wants. At the end of the consultation, if the client decides to retain, we would request additional information, you know, more specific,
0: It seems like all of the things that would be going into the documents for the estate plan itself.
1: Well, yeah. The estate plan itself doesn't have to list minutiae, but it is important for your attorney to understand exactly what it is that you have and how you want it handled in your estate plan. We don't need to include your bank account numbers in an estate plan or anything like that. It is important for your attorney to understand exactly what the context is and what the facts are. Well, honestly, most clients haven't considered what kind of medical treatments do you want and in what situations. I mean, these are things that you have to put some thought into. I can draft you a health care directive, but there are a lot of particulars about the kind of care that you want and the kind of situations that you might be faced with and the instructions you want to give your loved ones that I can't answer for you. And so that's where your homework would come in. I could prepare a basic outline of what a healthcare directive might look like, but I would also want to know from you answers to certain questions. And those are going to take some thought. What kind of life-sustaining measures would you want if you were incapacitated? Those instructions can be as detailed as you want. Some people simply opt to say, I don't want to be kept alive on a machine, and they leave it at that. And that's valid, but it's important that you at least consider the questions and look at them and make that decision.
0: Aren't there powers of attorney that would have to be designated to a certain person or persons to make sure that things are being taken care of? In the case that you just explained about if you happen to be incapacitated, someone's got to take care of those things, mm-hmm. like making sure that the healthcare directive is Paid attention to properly.
1: Well, a power of attorney will really only address your finances. The health care directive addresses decisions about your medical care. The power of attorney will suppose you're incapacitated. You're not in any danger of dying, but you are not yet recovered or in a position to be able to make sound decisions for yourself. In the meantime, you've still got bills to pay every month. Your mortgage still comes, your utility bill still comes, things that need to be paid without a power of attorney, your loved ones may not be able to access your accounts.
0: So part of that discussion with the attorney as the estate plan is being set up is to determine who the best choice would be for that power of attorney, it sounds like.
1: Yeah oftentimes people will opt to have their children share responsibility. But it gets complicated because families can be complicated and dynamics can be hard to deal with. Maybe you have a child that isn't the best decision maker. You've got to think, do you want to give that child that kind of power right now?
0: Would they be able to handle it under the stressful circumstances of you being incapacitated?
1: That's a question to consider. Maybe you've got one child who's responsible, they're adult, they've got a strong track record of making good decisions, and you've got another one who still is maybe figuring things out. Do you split the power of attorney responsibility between those two children, or does it make more sense to name one child as your attorney-in-fact, or both? You can split the difference and you can name the more responsible child the attorney-in-fact and name the other child a successor attorney, in fact. This would be a hedge against that. And maybe it would be less difficult for the other child to deal with.
0: And there are alternatives to using family members. If you don't have any children, Mm -hmm. what are some of those alternatives for a power of attorney?
1: Well, it could be Anyone that you trust, it could be a close friend, named your attorney in fact, and given that power to manage your affairs, that can be a nice buffer to avoid hurting anyone's feelings.
0: Okay, we've talked briefly about the healthcare directive and a bit about the power of attorney. What is the most important thing about an estate plan since we're trying to get this off of our to-do list
1: Well, I I wouldn't call it the most important thing because I think all the components are very important and they all serve a, a somewhat unique purpose. But in terms of a basic estate plan, as an essential piece, you'll want a will. In most cases, this will be true whether you also have a trust or not. If you have a trust, the will will simply, in most cases, direct that anything that you acquired after the creation of the trust will go to the trust
0: after your death. So there is a distinction between a will and a trust.
1: Yeah. You can decide where you want your property to go with a will. The question is, can you keep it out of probate, is the question that people focus on. And if it's
0: in a trust, there's not as much chance of some of those items going into probate.
1: Yeah. If it's not going to go through the trust, if it's going to be disposed of by the will, you're going to have to go through probate. (laughs) Probate's not terrible it does add to the cost and it does add to the time it takes to probate your estate but if you can avoid it in most cases it makes sense to
0: to have a trust
1: to have a trust with a trust oftentimes you will want to address how the property is going to be put in the trust you may choose to do that now retitle the property in the name of the trust Uh, you may choose to transfer it upon death if you're married initially it will go to your spouse If it's a joint tenancy, there's a lot of moving parts. I don't want that to sound complicated because it really doesn't have to be. And this is one of the reasons why you hire an attorney to help you with this process. We deal with these sorts of scenarios all the time.
0: Since there is a distinction between a trust and a will, there are the people that are going to administrate those. From what I understand, in a trust, you have a trustee. For the will, you would have a personal representative, sometimes in the past referred to as an executor. That's correct. What's the difference? What's the similarity? It's a good question.
1: As a personal representative, there's sort of a finite period during which You will have some responsibilities. You'll need to open the probate. You may need formal probate. You may need informal probate. It all depends on on how the estate plan was set up. There's a series of steps that, that it takes to open an estate with the probate court and close it. Now, in an informal probate, a lot of this can mostly be done without a hearing. You know, formal probate obviously would be more involved. And then at the end of it, after all the legitimate creditors have been paid and the remaining assets distributed in accordance with the will, you file an accounting and you close the estate.
0: That's that limited term you Yeah, that's about.
1: that limited term. Now a trustee, depending on how you've set up the trust, that can be more of an indefinite responsibility. There you're managing trust assets in accordance with the terms of the trust.
0: Are there any particular legal requirements for the person that's going to perform as a personal representative or a trustee? What are the details about who to appoint?
1: As long as the person you appoint is an adult of sound mind and capacity, there's no qualification to be a personal representative or trustee. Now, as a personal representative or trustee, you're gonna have certain fiduciary duties or certain duties to basically adhere to the the terms of the, whether it's a will or trust. One of the things that a good estate plan will take into account are contingencies. In the context of a personal representative or trustee, these are big responsibilities, and people at the same time have lives of their own. It could be a situation where you die and it is just really, for whatever reason, not a very good time for the person that you named as your personal representative or trustee to be able to take on that responsibility and fulfill those duties. So you'll want to think about naming successors, whether it's one successor or two. We'd address contingencies like that, interstate plans. It really is Not as complicated, again, as it sounds. You may name anyone you want, like I said. You don't have to have someone with any special qualifications. No one needs to take a test. No one needs to pass a background check. If you designate this individual as your personal representative or trustee, they will have the responsibility.
0: So what is the potential cost for either a will or a trust?
1: Each person is unique. But here at Mandala, we do most of our estate planning work with flat fee packages. Now, for a single individual, a basic estate plan, which would include power of attorney, a health care directive, and a will, we do those for $1,000. For a married couple, a basic estate plan with two health care directives, two powers of attorney, and two wills. We do that for $1,500. There are add-ons that we can do to customize any estate plan. And then trusts get more expensive.
0: Since we're at the beginning of 2022, Mm -hmm. those are the current costs. You say that there are some add-ons depending on the person's situation that's having their estate plan done or the couple. Those would be specified up front, so all of those numbers could be determined prior to even retaining a oh, law Oh, a-
1: absolutely. You would know what the full cost would be by the end of that initial consultation so that you could make a decision as to what you want and whether or not you want us to go about helping you do that. It's as simple as making the decision to get it done this year.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to add about getting an estate plan off of our to-do list
1: Yes, David. This, again, gets back to the main reason people don't want to do their estate plan or keep putting it off. It can be difficult. It can require some emotional labor to think about these things and get to the point where you have that estate plan done. Instead, maybe focus on how good that's going to feel, to have that off your list, to have that peace of mind that you're not going to leave your loved ones a mess that your instructions are gonna be clear and it's going to minimize the likelihood of any trouble after your passing.
0: So you could get it done and? Start 2022 off right, David. Thank you so much, Alma.
1: Thank you, David.
0: You are listening to Rise from the Ashes, the podcast channel that takes a careful look at all things having to do with legal procedure within the family law process. Rise from the Ashes is sponsored by Mundal Law, who specializes in assisting families and individuals through the legal process with respect, dignity, and caring. Mundal Law is dedicated to helping people to solve their legal problems. You can visit the Mundal Law website at MundalLaw.com or call to schedule a consultation with one of their qualified family law attorneys. Rise from the ashes, focusing on matters of the family, because family matters.